Good evening, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Late Night Rentals. A new month and a new category, labor pains. A full month of films revolving around the trials and tribulations of labor. I am your host, Brandon. Joined with me, as always, is my good friend, co-host, Ryan. Ryan, how are you, buddy? I'm doing okay. I'm doing doing fine. How are you? I'm doing excellent. I do have a question for you, though. All right, go ahead. How devastating would it be for you to lose your testicles to a trumpet? You know, it would be something I never imagined that would happen. But, I mean, before my wife, I wasn't using them really at all anyway, so not much of a loss. <laughs> all right, everyone, get out those membership cards, and please stop standing awkwardly next to the porn section. Tonight, we're renting Barry Monday. Hey, I don't know what you got going on later, but I was thinking of hitting a happy hour over at Chili's. I don't date people at my workplace. You're smart. It's a smart idea. You got beauty and brains. TGIF. I couldn't imagine living for anything other than women. <laughs> Dad. <Hey>, Dad. <laughs> I do remember thinking, why would a dude bring a trumpet into a movie theater? Barry. I'm sorry to be the one to have to tell you, but we couldn't save them. Save who? We had to remove both. What are you saying? Dear Mr. Monday, I represent the interests of Miss Ginger Farley. Miss Farley believes that you are the father of her unborn child. Are you absolutely positivo that the baby's mine? Yes, Barry, I'm positivo the baby is yours. I want to be a part of this, like a real dad, you know, with dedication. Very Monday, I'm the father. I heard that sometimes women poop during the birth. It's natural. <laughs> Are you retarded? My parents want to meet you. This is the first time Ginger has brought a man home to meet us. Our Jennifer brings fellas home all the time. But that's Jennifer. We've never had much time alone together, Barry. Why are you doing this? Oh my god! My water broke! Uh, quite a guy. I wish you all the best coming out of your mom. You being pregnant was a real miracle. There's purpose now. Barry, our group, provides support to understand what has happened to us. When I was 11 years old, my penis was severed. Now the end pokes out like a little snappy turtle. <laughs> Alrighty, Barry Monday. This is, uh, as I think we had talked before, this is definitely a movie I've seen with you once when we lived together. And it was one of those things, too, that as I was watching it a second time, I couldn't remember a damn thing, man. But then, I gotta say, hot take right out. I enjoy this. Oh, yeah, this is easily one of my, this is easily in my top 20, like, favorite movies. I can go back and watch this movie as much as much as probably humanly possible and like i may not find new things in it to appreciate but i'll still enjoy my time i feel like this movie is like you know it is minus the sleaze factor but i feel like this type of movie is what this podcast is about because there are people in this movie everyone knows it's got like the wacky plot guy uh, loses his testicles and finds out he got a woman pregnant beforehand and like you wouldn't this this movie doesn't feel abnormal for a movie you would just you know as you're skipping channels 
you turn to Comedy Central at like 3.30 on a Sunday and it's playing. This movie is stacked. And it's just like the more and more I, the time kept going on, I was like, oh, I know that person. I know that person. And I started just jotting down everybody, man. Like Gene Smart's in this as Barry's mom. Yeah. I'm like, I haven't seen this lady since bringing down the house with Queen Latifah. <laughs> wow, 2003. I was like, who is this Deep woman? Cut. Well, my mom, like, she's she was a huge designing women. She uh, watched okay. all those episodes, so that's where I really got my first Gene Smart. But it was just interesting to see her in this. I'm like, where the hell is she? Uh, Chris McDonald, our big miss, our big Chris <laughs> comes back. He's got one scene, but it's probably the best scene in the movie. Oh, yeah. I cannot wait to get to that. Billy D. Williams, dude. Lando himself. <laughs> yep. You have, you have him and then uh, Malcolm McDowell. Yeah. Uh, yeah. From As... Clockwork Orange. Oh, yeah. Shay Wiggum, dude. This was this is be, this is Shay Wiggum before people started kind of recognizing him. But I still I got a feeling, man, he's going to be. He's going to end up being just a character actor. He's never going to be a leading man. Um, it's got Sybil Shepherd. Oh, Sybil Shepherd. Yeah, have you ever seen, what is it? The, is it The Last Picture Show? Is that where she gets nude? Yeah. Oh, yep. boy. Yep. That's a great movie. Won't ever be on this on this show, but that's a great movie. Missy Pyle. Are you, this, okay. I really, really enjoy Missy Pyle for one sole reason. My first introduction to her was fucking Dodgeball as Fran. You remember her? Yeah, she's the uh, like the German, yeah, the German from, player. Uh, it's a it's a made up place, isn't it? Roma Romanovia or something like that. But <laughs> this to go back to my original thing. Holy shit, man! Like for a movie as quiet and as I don't know widely hated as this movie is, it's got a nice cast to it. Yeah, and. The th- one of the things that drew me to this movie, because I, when I was in, in college, well, high school too, but when I was in college, super, like, you know, I went for film degree, so, you know, obviously I like movies, and uh, would always watch, uh, surf JoeBlow.com oh, and, yeah, yeah. like, IMDB News and all that stuff, and this the trailer for this movie got posted, and it stars Patrick Wilson and Judy Greer. And those two people, I I feel like I don't want to say they're underrated because they're in a lot of stuff like they get a lot of work. But like you never hear them talked about as like these leading people like for leading roles. Like Judy Greer is usually like, you know, she has a small part as like somebody's girlfriend or she's always the best friend in movies. Um, and Patrick Wilson, he's just he's usually just like the hot guy. Uh, or the love interest. He's I I can't think of a movie he's the star of other than Barry Monday. Mm, hard candy, maybe. Well, I guess. Well, that's even probably just more Ellen Page, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's well, that's kind of a two-hander, I guess you would say. Uh, yeah. Like he is the lead, but she's also the lead. But I guess, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. Mentioning Hard Candy, I wonder if Patrick Wilson went through a phase where he was like into playing dudes with no testicles. <laughs> oh shit! I didn't even that didn't even ring my bell. Holy hell! <laughs> so, you wanted to get into Barry first as a character? Uh, there's there's some things I picked up on him that I really enjoy. Yeah. Now, it Barry is strange. I personally don't think that I would get along with someone like Barry. I don't feel that I like me and him. Uh, his just just his personality he he's endearingly awkward when you see the bigger picture 
But in the moments, especially the parts before, obviously, he comes of age and he has his breakthrough with his daughter. He seems kind of just like a like an asshole. He tries to hit on the secretary at work. He's very loud and obnoxious. He's <laughs> one of the one of the funnier bits. Um, he's in the shower uh, bathing himself while singing a song about how awesome he is. But while he's singing the song, like the, that moment when he's singing the song is when he's cleaning his ass back. <laughs> Um, which is funny in general, but yeah. again, he's he's singing a song about how awesome he is and how he's the most awesome person he knows. I was just about that's one of my favorite moments man I I had to literally rewind it just to see him wash his asshole (laughs) (laughs) it's uh another thing too it's if this was Patrick Wilson's choice like his walking posture kills me it's it, he walks even before his testicles get damaged. He walks like there's something crammed up his ass, or he's trying to hold in a turd or something. But it's such an awkward, dweebish posture. No, I agree. Yeah, and there's yeah, there's a lot of like little subtle things that he does that Pam Greer does that like they build the character because this. I love this movie, but the script's not great. A lot of the dialogue is. If, like kind of forced like there are moments where they'll like they'll have some natural sounding stuff where they're conversational and then they'll start speaking in in platitudes and stuff and it's you know it's overdone it's not very well written but like like you said his walk like the stuff he does at the beginning where he's he's trying to pick up the hot secretary to invite her to this really rad nacho bar and he he like to like he gets turned down but he's too awkward to just like turn away and leave so he just like kind of bangs his thumb on the top of her monitor. What's great about him too is it's almost that type of person and character that once you lay your eyes on him, you're like, I have run into someone like this. I've either run into someone like this or I, uh, I'm rel- I know a relative who's like this or I've worked with some asshole who's like this. I like that connectability. Yeah, and I think, I think it's Patrick Wilson. I think... Maybe if someone else might have played the character, it, the movie probably wouldn't. I probably wouldn't like the movie as much as I do. But I think Patrick Wilson, as I said a little bit ago, is a phenomenal actor who doesn't really get like the sh- the spotlight shown on him. We talked uh, the other one of the the sister shows here, um, Movie Guys podcast that I'm a part of. We reviewed In the Tall Grass, the movie based off a Stephen King short story. I do believe. Have you seen it on Netflix? Uh, not yet. It's garbage. I hated it. But the the only good part about the movie was Patrick Wilson. Like he plays the villain. He's fantastic as this like um, family man who just becomes completely unhinged. But like even even uh, other movies like Morning Glory, which is a romantic comedy uh, starring Rachel McAdams, he's the love interest. He's phenomenal in that movie. He's great in Young Adult with uh oh is that uh charlie's theron with yeah charlie's theron 
Um, he's even good in Watchmen. You know, your mileage on Watchmen varies. I think it's okay. I don't think it's anything special, but he's really good in it. No, I agree. And then even in the... Again, wow, holy cow. Another guy, he's got erectile dysfunction. Whoa. It must be like in his claws, right? Like it's, it's If any character comes through Hollywood with anything to do with the genitals, Patrick Wilson's just got his ear to the wall like, I'm fucking ready. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he's definitely, you're right. He's definitely that guy that he's, uh, how do I want to say this? So I'm going to bring it back to, to Billy Zane because I just love the guy. <laughs> <laughs> he's not a Billy Zane. He's de- Patrick Wilson has definitely got to a point where he is a mild household name, but he's still not at that level. He, he's still not at that the one where like people are flocking to the theater to see him as people do Tom Cruise. Yeah, like, I mean, no offense to Billy Zane, but if, if people haven't seen Titanic, they're probably not going to know who Billy Zane is. Boom, 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 <laughs> But, like, you know, Patrick Patrick Wilson's been in a lot of high-profile stuff. Like I said, Watchmen. Um, now, granted, the movie was a huge bomb, but he was in Alamo in 2004. Well, I think that's, um, that's his difference, though, right? Like, he's, if anything, he's at least in movies that are generating high revenue. That too, or critical praise. Like even if movies, even if the movie isn't like geared towards the cineplexes, it's geared towards the the awards. Yeah, I Patrick Wilson is great. Like if if any one of our renters, if you're listening, like if you haven't really explored Patrick Wilson, do yourself a favor and start trying to explore his filmography because he's got such a wide range. And here in Barry Monday, man, there's so many little things that he does that I was just studying because I love when actors utilize their body language and he does so much of that here. And I like that. I think one of the things I, I liked most, even in the beginning was he carries himself, he dresses and carries himself like a father, even before he ends up becoming a father. So I always thought that was like, I guess if you wanted to look at it as foreshadowing a little bit, but I thought that was kind of neat and cute. Yeah. I think there, there are moments too, where like the, the getting better montage, I guess, for a, a lack of a better way of phrasing it, where he's like accepted that he no longer has testicles and he's kind of like moving on with his life, where he's like uh, he's at the YMCA swimming, and he's jogging, and he's playing basketball. Those those moments, I think, like there's these facial tics the that he does, or like just the way his he becomes crestfallen when he sees the guys in speedos walking by. Like the 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 joke is dumb when he's uh, jogging because he goes past the sign, realizes he's jogging the wrong way, and then turns around. But how Patrick Wilson plays it off, where he like he you know he makes sure no one's looking, then he like wipes his nose, and then he's kind of like slowly takes off jogging the opposite way. Like even the basketball thing where he's trying to he's trying to shoot a free throw, but he just kind of shoots it straight at the net. Yeah. And like when the <laughs> like you hear the ball hit the ground, and Patrick Wilson just like shakes his head like all right going again i don't know if you picked up on any of this but as the movie progressed there wasn't a lot but i'm a i love when sound is played with to humorous effect or you know sound is becomes just as much as a language as you know the visuals i forgot who it was but he's in the back seat with a woman making out with her and that's when she announces that you know barry i'm married and I don't know if you noticed, but right when she says that, in the background, you hear tires squealing to a halt. Mm-hmm. I'm married. 
We could just mess around here if you want. Okay. I was, oh, I love that. And then, like, there's another moment when, like, he's meeting Ginger for the first time in the bar. The water is bubbling in the background from the fish tank. And it just, to me, it made me feel like he was just sitting in hot water. Like, boiling hot water as the tension was just rising on him. Well, on February 11th, a few moments before midnight, your little sperm army stormed my pink beach. So, you count the days. Newton said you had no memory of our sex. He did? And then one more, too, I noticed was when he gets introduced to Ginger's father, played by Malcolm McDowell. He's like on, <laughs> he makes him sit on a medicine ball. <laughs> and as Malcolm McDowell uh, approaches him, that medicine ball starts, uh, like, he gets, sinks lower into it, and it starts sounding like a rubber band stretching, like stretching just enough that you think it's going to snap, but it doesn't. I don't know, man. I that was like I said, watching it on my own versus watching it with you the first time. I don't know. I got I got a much more personal viewing experience with it. Yeah, I've I I've not I've never in my viewings picked up on those second two. So kudos. That's that's very good analysis. Like I this movie. What well, we was it? I can't remember which one we talked about. Like we we did a deep. Oh, it's probably Zapped. Um, we did a deep dive into it, and I think we gave it more. Than what it is and i love this movie but like uh, there's there are a lot of shortcomings to it a lot, a lot of things that i don't know because i don't even remember the director i don't know if this is the only thing he's ever directed um but he wrote and directed it and it like it feels like a movie made in the late 2000s so with our last episode my teacher's wife we were talking about that very you know sundance miramax feel that it had for some reason, I have this memory that, that by the mid-2000s, the indie craze was making a, a quick resurgence where, like, you know, Magnolia, and then I think it, it might be its sister label, Magnet Pictures. Like, those movies were just, they were lining the movie shelves just left and right before they went under. Am I wrong in that? Is I think the mid-2000s, there was, like, a short indie boom again, wasn't there? Yeah, you yeah, you had a bunch of um I don't want to say like the mumblecore movement, but you had like this new sort of generation that was coming out or coming of age what have you that was playing in festivals and there was that was the beginning of streaming. Uh online like Netflix was first becoming big and 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 all that. But like there are if you watch a movie if 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 it can be remembered like Barry Monday out like we found something in it but a lot of people i wouldn't see them finding a whole lot in this movie um so like it would be forgettable and there are a lot of things that the director does in the way that he made the movie like how it's shot where they're talking to the camera or how every character is quirky you know they have this thing about them there are just a bunch of these independent movies from you know, like 2005 till 2012 or 13, uh, before she got really dark, uh, where like, you know, all these characters are quirky and, you know, you fall in love with the quirky girl or their, their big stylistic thing is like, you know, we're going to have them talk just slightly left of the camera. Yeah. I, I know what you're saying there. I kind of miss that era a little bit you know where just these weird oddball movies can just sort of appear like who would you who do you think barry monday is directed towards like if you could think of one 
audience or like one group of movie people like who would it be directed towards the the best i can come up with are maybe like the people who stay up late at night because you could say it's directed towards like um couples uh like people that are in a relationship because the movie is like it's a it's about a blossoming relationship but i think the stuff that's wrapped around it especially this movie is rated r and like they say some f words they go to the strip club but there's not really anything vulgar or over the top in this movie like i mean you see a nipple from a breastfeeding video but i mean outside of that this movie's very tame it could very well very easily be a pg like in the 80s this would be a pg-13 no problem but like so i mean you could say it's it's geared towards couples but i think i think it's geared more towards like late people who watch tv late at night like they'll stay up 2 a.m they're still watching comedy central or they're watching tbs or i don't know any other channels amc things like well amc is more highbrow i want to merge on into judy greer now um her character name is ginger this was a character, I guess, like, here, here is where I think the movie does extremely well, and it's with her. Whereas, you know, the central character is Barry, and Barry has his arc. But I, I feel like to any normal viewer who's not really paying attention, they're going to walk away from this movie thinking that Ginger is just total awful human being. But there's a reason why she is, and it gets totally explained and when she reaches her growth, her arc, I thought it was beautifully done. Oh, yeah. I think that's that's one of those great... It's a hidden in plain sight. Because as, as it goes on, she starts doing things to make herself... I don't want to say normal, but like not as ugly. Because that's the point at the beginning when like she wears these thick glasses, she has this big puffy hair, she wears these large uh, sweaters and dresses, and you know Barry com- or comments on the fact that you know that dress doesn't do you justice. And like as she progresses, she starts wearing normal clothing. She starts, you know, she gets contacts, and and by the end when you know they're in love and they have their family and all that she's you know when they have that little montage uh under the voiceover at the very end she's wearing these very nice dresses yellows floral colors floral patterns and things like that if if you weren't really picking up on it it's her the movie is also about her journey as well stopping you know from like realizing her worth and there's not just because she has a speech where she says there's power in being ugly or being undesirable where she realizes that there's also power in, in being loved and having someone, you know, through whatever circumstances have brought you together, someone cares about you just because you're you. Man, I and this caught me off guard. It's so disclaimer, especially when it comes to character stuff, uh, I will start tearing up like a baby on almost any little thing that tugs at my heartstrings. And there is a moment in this movie that did it to me. And I, it was when she was, uh, her and Barry were, I believe, sit, I think sitting on the couch or laying in bed, but she's essentially telling him the story of the day that she met him, the the night that they met up. And as she's pulling out of the parking lot, she almost gets in an accident. And the guy that almost hit her yells out the window, calls her an, an ugly bitch. I love how in that moment she slows down and says how much that one remark affected her. 
because then it was like internally she always thought she was an ugly bitch so but all it took was just one stranger to tell her that she was and then that's sort of why we see her start out the way she starts out M most of my life i think you know people never really paid much attention to me they kind of just forgot about me um i mean they would think like what's the point or they would just look at me and think, why bother? You know, men, people I work with, my family, and um, so, I don't know, I found kind of a safety in that, like that there was no judgment then, no overt judgment. I don't expect you to understand it, but there is kind of a uh, power in being undesirable. Then I almost got in this car accident that day, the day of the night, and this guy yelled out his window. Watch where you're going, you ugly bitch! And, um, and it just took it all away, just that one sentence, and I just might, felt really like an ugly bitch. And so that night, I just really needed to feel desirable. And I connected it with that so much because it like that that happens to all of us, you know. Like sometimes all it takes is one asshole remark to uproot how we feel about ourselves. But for Ginger, it's a revelation that completely encapsulates her character and allows for her to reach that full growth moment when she, I think she needed to just tell somebody that. And I loved it. I think, and I think again, talking about Patrick Wilson, I think Judy Greer. I don't want to say it's like perfect casting or what have you, because Judy Greer is unconventional looking. She's got kind of a long face, pale skin, freckles, larger than normal nose. Her teeth are, you know, pointy. They're not the perfect. What are the cuties? Is that the candy? Uh, chiclet. They're chiclet. Yeah. yeah, they're not the perfect chiclets. But I mean, I've, I think she's very attractive. I'm very attracted to Judy Greer. Now I know that like... Anyways, um, she's also a very <laughs> fantastic actress, and I think that you have someone who looks unconventional already. Where Patrick Wilson, he's kind of—I uh, don't—I don't know what the proper term is, but like he—he—he's packed on some pounds. He's a little chubby for this movie because normally Patrick Wilson's like really muscular, really trimmed, you know. Yeah. So they—they kind of like. They kind of did, you know, ugly, I don't want to say uglified him, but like he, I guess he looks normal. He looks like a normal person in this movie. What am I talking about? You can, you can have her make this transformation from this ugly duckling to this woman who's very comfortable with herself now by the end, just be, like because Judy Greer is unconventional looking, but she's also very pretty. She's also a fantastic actress. She, oh, yeah. like I said, and she is always relegated to like the supporting roles, but every time she's always good, no matter if it's just like some throwaway uh, romantic comedy with Jennifer Aniston or even like the Halloween reboot from 2018. She's like, she has this ability to understand what the project is and knows the character for that movie. Like she's not asked to do a whole lot in that Jennifer Aniston movie. I can't remember what it is, but like in, Halloween, she's asked to be kind of, I don't want to say like an action hero, but she has these moments where she, you know, she has to kill, she has to fight uh, Michael Myers. She has that moment where she's like screaming, you know, I, I can't do this, I can't do this. And then he appears, she goes, got you, and shoots him, mm -hmm. shoots down in the basement. 
But yeah, she's fantastic. And I think, again, a lot of her facial tics and her just her deadpan reactions to Barry, <laughs> I think, are fantastic. Um, like when the baby after Cornelia, the daughter is born and Barry's like trying to help out and she's, you know, has to go off and do something. She tells him, you know, my mom's phone number is on the fridge. Are you sure you can do this? He says, oh, yeah, I have a beer. <laughs> and she just stares at him. <laughs> But I think, you know, I think it's important to mention that what Judy Greer is, is a character actor. And I, when we talk about character actors, so many times we talk about the males. Uh, like, oh, it's, I recognize that face. I recognize that face. This per, that guy's in everything. That guy's in a shit ton of stuff. But there are women who are just as good, if not better, as a character actor as well. And, and she is definitely a character actor. She gets bounced around into everything but whatever she gets in there's isn't she even in jurassic world as the boy's yeah, mother she's the mom yep that's a, that's a very very small insignificant role but she handles it and i think that's what's really impressive about her and other women like her who are working actors like they're not you know they're not the big face that you know is going to market the marquee but they do their job and they do it well and it deserves recognition I agree wholeheartedly. I, 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 I mean, she's kind of, you know, I don't want to say like age is is a um, what should stop them from getting lead roles, but you know, I, I wish she had been in like lead roles in these bigger projects before, you know, she got, I don't want to say tested out of the market, but you know, people, if you're a man, you can be a leading star until you're in your 70s. If you're a woman, you can be a leading star until you're in your mid-40s. That's just how Hollywood works. Now don't don't blame me. I'm just the messenger. Unless you're Meryl Streep. That's true. But again, <laughs> like the Oscars have like every year they have, they're contractually obligated to give Meryl Streep an Academy Award nomination, <laughs> even if she hasn't been in a movie. Back to Ginger as a character to really in, in heighten and increase those moments with her, you know, feeling like that ugly duckling, feeling uh, left out. I love all of the framing, especially when they go to her parents' house, which we didn't even mention her sister. Holy shit, Miss Chloe. Yep, Chloe Savini. Is it Se- Savini or Sevigny? I don't ever know how to pronounce it. I think it's almost like, you know, that tomato-tomato. She's also a, a good underrated actress. That's not in a whole lot. Underutilized. Absolutely. And... But one of the things I noticed that really enhances Ginger even more in terms of why she is the way she is and needs to grow, there's always like there's always some sort of object obstructing her image in photos. And <laughs> I, I I was noted there's like three instances, like the and then one where he tries to out Chloe for being a stripper at uh, what is it, the beaver? The beaver tree. The beaver tree. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, right behind Patrick, there's a, a family f- photo of all of them, but there's a trophy, huge silver trophy that just blocks her out of the photo. And I, I thought that was another clever little thing, too, that we're just simple framing and just simple, you know, set placement tells us so much that even, you know, that objects are seen as almost more important than her. And I, I again, it was just between between the framing choices and those like you know those creative little sound cues like this movie has a lot more interesting you know visual detail going on than i think what people gave it credit for i mean 
I like I said, I haven't noticed that stuff. Uh, and I've seen it a bunch of times. I think I get distracted by the. I think like I have some pet peeves where I'm not a fan of talking into camera or like facing the camera unless it's like a close up and it's like a dramatic moment. But like it's utilized. I think it's overutilized in this movie. Um, to where, like, because I feel like that is a trick that the director is using to put you in the character's shoes. Like, you're Barry, you know, this is experience Barry's world. And I, I feel like he does it too much in this movie. I think that's, I think that's why I kind of, I don't, I don't know, maybe that's why I don't focus on, on like the background stuff. Cause I don't, I've, to me, like, this, I enjoy it because it's, it's got good leads. They have pretty good chemistry together, and the central story is strong enough to where the accoutrement, you know, doesn't even if it's bad, doesn't bother me. But I don't put, I'm not putting too much stock into like the behind the scenes creativity. Like there, there are moments where I mean it's pretty noticeable what you're talking about because like um, a lot of times in they have Ginger and even Barry to a certain extent. They are usually in single shots when they're talking, and when somebody's talking to them, that's when it's the 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 wide or the two shot with the other person. Mm-hmm. But when like they are expressing themselves or they're expressing their idea, they're usually shot by themselves. That's another filming choice. I can understand why, especially like a normal movie watch. If you're someone who doesn't watch movies on the regular, it's gonna feel awkward out of place for you so i mean i can't be too mad about someone who you know walks away from this and says they just could not get into it it's totally understandable yeah because like there's i mean like i said the outside of the core story which is you know and also even the main storyline is contrived because it's about a man who loses his testicles and then gets slapped with a paternity suit so like his yeah, so the whole plot is like he has no nuts, but he has no he can't produce sperm, but he's gonna have a baby. But then you have all these things revolving around the central story where you have like the whole sub like they drop hints where like the baby might not be berries because um she gives a specific date of when they had sex at the bar. They they meet they have sex at the bar, she says like February something. But then when they go to the OBGYN, which is also another funny scene, the doctor says they have a due date in December. That's 10 months, mm. not nine months. So it's like, yeah. And then when the black, the black man, the random black guy working at the park says, that's an Asian baby, yeah, uh, oriental. Yeah. It's Japanese, the, the Japanese skin ain't nothing softer than, <laughs> than that or something like that. Yeah. And then she has she has that neighbor, uh, the Asian man across the hallway who like keeps spying on them and like, Barry uh, walks in on him trying to like uh, knock on their door and stuff. So like, there's all these things where uh, Shea Wiggum, his character is in an air guitar competition. The parents, Ginger's parents are like health addicts. They always wear track suits. It's like, there's all these, these weird things going around. Oh, Barry's also his dad's Asian, even though Barry doesn't Asian at all around that core story that can feel kind of, contrived like okay this this only happens in a movie this i'm watching a movie and that's totally fine you can have those moments like when i watch transformers i'm not like you know what this this does not have any semblance of realism to it at all but <laughs> yeah. like i can excuse those things because i think the the core story is told strongly 
and the performance, like the actors are just right for this movie. Absolutely. I 100% agree. And I want to merge into now quite possibly the scene that had me on my ass. And that is the therapy session. Uh, <laughs> the intervention. The intervention. <laughs> And it's, I love how it's set up, the support group. It's one of those things, too, that while you're laughing along with Barry, you kind of feel like an asshole for laughing. But it, then again, it, it's, it's so purposeful because all it does is just highlight the absurdity of what life sometimes hands us. And I love that scene so much. So the setup is Barry is watching Cornelia. He's taking care of her. And his mom calls him on the phone and says, hey, can you come over for about an hour? I need you to my disposal so he shows up ready to fix the disposal and when you know it he gets ambushed with a group therapy session run by christopher mcdonald hmm. as dr preston edwards uh for men that have experienced traumatic uh who who have experienced trauma to their genitalia and you get there's three stories and then there's a transsexual who doesn't really say anything but each story gets progressively more absurd and absurd and it's wonderfully done oh yeah yeah and a quick cameo by kyle gas too he's he's part of that support group yep tenacious d's own kyle gas that scene well the scene exists for the like to kind of wrap up uh barry's breakthrough because like the last scene after that is his birthday party um and then then it's the voiceover ending where he talks about like how he grew up like you get in this in that scene he tells you like the basic theme or like he tells you his character arc because at the end of it he says that the only good thing they ever the only good thing his testicles ever did was produce cornelia and like that's the whole thing where he's growing up where he realizes he needs to think outside of himself but it's you know like i said there are moments where you'll have these great these great bits of dialogue, and then they'll start speaking in platitudes. Um, his mom does that constantly in the movie. But like, yeah, I, I think the scene is is wonderful because of the story uh, that the the stories the guy tells, especially um, Kyle. I just like how he delivers the line. <laughs> my name's Kyle. My penis is 16 inches long. It's thin like a rope, and my nuts are the size of te- uh, my testicles are the size of peanuts. Yeah. <laughs> Hi, I'm Jerry Sherman. When I was 11 years old, my penis was completely severed. Now the end pokes out like a little snappy turtle. And yes, I do urinate sitting down. But you know what? My testicles are intact. So I'd say my glass is half full. Hold on, Jerry. Uh, my name's Kyle Pennington. Uh, I'm 37. I have a master's degree in education. Uh, my penis is 16 inches long. <laughs> it's thin like a rope, and uh, my testicles are the size of peanuts. <laughs> I suffer from a rare genetic disorder called Glassroth syndrome. I'm a founder of the group. Thank you, Kyle. My name is Maury, Maury Knox. Maury is a new member. He prefers to speak with his back to the group. <sighs> I, um, actually, I have no genitalia at all. My private spot is a smooth, hairless patch. 
and I pee out of my anus. <laughs> this is my second meeting. Thank you, Mark. <laughs> Barry, I know this must seem strange to you. No, no, it's totally, it's cool. Came over with my baby to my mom's house to help fix her disposal, and I find five dudes sitting in my living room waiting to tell me stories about their dicks. It's perfectly normal. And then everyone claps. <laughs> um, and then Christopher McDonald's uh, like he's obviously funny because like <laughs> it feels like his character like Barry's reaction. He has had that. He's felt that reaction so many times. Because like he's trying to keep a smile, but he's all, like you know you can see he's getting kind of testy about Barry laughing at the situation. And then when Barry like has his when he first says his thing about um, the trauma or whatever, and Preston's like, "Okay, mini breakthrough. All right." <laughs> no one is ever really cured. That's nice, doctor. But my balls are gone, and I don't think your group discussions will help bring them back. I don't even know if I want the damn things. The only good they ever did was help make Cornelia. And I don't even know if they can honestly take credit for that. Thank you. Mini breakthrough. Thanks. You really should join our group. It's Thursday nights at 7. Jerry, are you on refreshments this week? I'm making puff pastry, Doc. Good times. But no, that scene, that scene is great. And when I showed, I used to do, I did this podcast for uh, just a short bit of time before we stopped doing it with some guys back in Ohio was called um, you hate it. We love it. And I showed, I picked this movie because again, I love this movie. Obviously you like the movie a lot, but when you look, read reviews and look at like grades and stuff online, they're not very nice to this movie. Like I said, understandable. I can totally see where a lot of the arguments come from because I don't like a lot of things they point out either, but I can excuse them just because I can get, I can get into the movie. But we were we watched the movie and people were, you know, they would chuckle at bits and things like that. But once this scene happened, that's when everyone was like, you know, that was like, oh, man, this is I like this movie. That's the crowd pleaser. Got to talk about chopping off dicks. <laughs> All right. Well, we're starting to merge to a good, healthy chunk of our episode. Uh, let's merge on into. Well, you, we probably already know what our answer is going to be. But do we recommend this movie? Oh, I definitely recommend this to to people. It's 94 minutes, perfect length for a movie. Not a whole heck of a lot happens in the movie, but there there's enough in it that I think people can appreciate. Even if you know, even, like if you are just looking for a random movie on Netflix to watch, I don't know if it's on Netflix, but like if you're one of those people that just you know pulls up Netflix to find some you know just scroll through, scroll through, and they're like, oh, okay, I know this guy, let's watch it. Barry Monday is perfect for you because you know all these people in it. You've seen them in other stuff, even if you don't, even if you don't know them by name. It's got a kind. Of, the The storyline has a hook, and the characters are endearing enough to get you through those scant ninety minutes. Absolutely. I would wholeheartedly tell people to watch this movie. Absolutely, and if anyone wants to check this out, I mentioned the service before in I think the last episode. But Tubi—that's T-U-B-I—it uh, is a free service. There are ads, but it has wonderful content. Barry Monday can still be found on it right now if you want to jump in. As you probably know, I am right there with Ryan. I, I just check it out. If anything, you are watching wonderful actors give a performance for a movie that. 
is is so underseen, but I think it deserves your attention. It deserves a chance. Even if you don't like it, at least you have given it the the attention it deserves. So, with that being said, anything else you want to add, Ryan? No, not really. Um, I guess no. Next week we have uh, we're switching gears hard, hard left turn this is for a next huge week's episode. <laughs> we will be talking about uh, David Cronenberg's '79, uh, The Brood. Ooh, boy, you want to talk about taking a wrong turn at Albuquerque? We are going to be taking a wrong turn at Albuquerque when we get to this one. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to it. I've I've not seen a whole lot of um, Cronenberg's like earlier output. I've seen Scanners, but outside of that, um, I have not seen like I've not seen The Fly that I can remember. What? Um, yeah, I know, crazy. But yeah, like I'm not. I don't. He. I don't get too much into Cronenberg because like, like I said like I've said a couple times I'm not really a huge horror guy right um, but this movie's in the Criterion collection I purchased it at the sale this uh, this past sale so I'm looking forward to diving in so this will be a first time watch yes it will wow excellent alright I'm excited and uh, renters I hope you're excited as well thank you for joining us for a whole new month of labor pains. As Ryan mentioned, we will be back next week with The Brood. Other than that, Ryan, thank you for mentioning this, and uh, thank you for watching it with me. You're welcome. And remember, everyone, have yourself a wonderful late-night rental. that sometimes women poop like during the birth it's natural <laughs> mm.